0: So I've got the privilege to speak into you guys tonight just for the start, and then we're going to see some guys get baptized, which is going to be awesome. So in Acts chapter 2, it talks about Pentecost. If you don't know what Pentecost is, that's when the Holy Spirit came down and settled among the church. That's where the church was born. That The church was born in fire, and that fire has always been intended to be the fuel in our tanks. And you may have come here as dry as wood, but the good news for you, if that's you, is that the drier the piece of wood, the faster it burns. And so by the end of tonight, I declare that you will be filled with the presence of God, that you will be on a whole new level in Jesus' name. So for, for the next little bit, I'm going to preach to you guys from the book of Luke. Um, And I'm not going to preach for too long, but what I'm about to say is really, really, really important. So I encourage you to keep your ears open. So I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 9 from verse 57. It starts off saying, As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead uh, bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So in many of your Bibles, that that passage will have a title, and that title will be something along the lines of the cost of discipleship. Or the cost of following Jesus. Who here believes that there is a cost for following Jesus? And that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. So there are many people who, when they preach the gospel, or when they share their faith, they share it like this. They share it in a way of saying, Man, when you give your life to Jesus, your life is going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect. You're going to become wealthy. You're going to become healthy. You're going to become wise. All your troubles and suffering will go away. People preach the gospel like that. I'm sorry to burst the bubble, but that's not how it goes. And when people walk into Christianity or give their lives to Jesus with these preconceived ideas and expectations, they don't last long because I've come in with these crazy expectations that everything bad is going to go away. But Jesus didn't promise that. But I can tell you that people that aren't in a relationship with Jesus also go through troubles and suffer. And I promise you that your suffering and your troubles will be a lot easier with Jesus than without him. So I don't preach the gospel like this. I'm not going to promise that your life will get perfect. The reason why I don't preach like this is because Jesus didn't. And we're called to imitate God. We're called to imitate Jesus. So notice in the very first part of this story in Luke, there were three people who came to Jesus. And the first one says, I will follow you wherever you go. How many of you think that sounds like a pretty good offer? Like, don't you think Jesus would be happy with that? I'll follow you wherever you go. That's pretty good if you were to ask me. I would be happy with that. And so why was Jesus not why did he answer like he did? What you have to understand is that in that culture there if you were a teacher or a rabbi you had responsibility over your students. So Jesus wasn't the only rabbi, there were other uh, teachers and rabbis going around with students, but the rabbi was responsible for their students. They had to provide their food, their shelter, their clothes, they had to have full responsibility over them. And so, if you were an intelligent student, you would not look for just a teacher, but you would shop around for a teacher who would give you the best employment package, for the best benefits. That's what an intelligent student would do. And so as this young man went to Jesus, he says, I am willing to do anything. I am willing to go anywhere. That sounds pretty good. But really what he was implying was, I'm willing to do anything for you. So what are you willing to do for me? How much will you pay me? Where will I live? He's looking for the benefits. He's looking for the employment package from Jesus. But then Jesus says that he doesn't even have a place to rest his head. So Jesus refused to negotiate with that young man. And so my first point is no negotiation. Jesus will not negotiate. Say no negotiation. That was pretty weak. (laughs) So Jesus is not going to deal with you. If you do this, then I will do that. No, it's not how he works. And so Jesus says this, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross and let him follow me. And this is the call of the gospel and that is what the call cool is for all of you tonight. And so, a good example of that is, Dad used to be a real keen motorcyclist. He used to race, do some comps. He was pretty good at it too. And he used to say to God, I will give you my life. I will follow you with everything I've got if you make me a world champion. And now he's stuck dealing with your issues. <laughs> but he loves it. Trust me, he loves it. He's not complaining most of the time. <laughs> so Jesus is looking for people that will say yes with no negotiation. Steve McCracken asked the challenging question this week in his blog. He said, With God, are you an obedient follower? Or an arguing negotiator. So number one, no negotiation. Number two, no procrastination. In verse nine, we see the second story. Oh, 59, sorry. It says, he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And So I was raised in the church. Well, Mum and dad's, you know, been pastors mostly most of my life, if not all. all. And so I've heard this story a lot of the time. And to be completely honest with you, I hated it. It always, it always offended me. I thought Jesus was being so unreasonable. Like, seriously, think about it. If your dad died and the funeral was on that afternoon, Jesus comes up, taps you on the shoulder and says, come follow me now. You're going to have the same response as him, surely, right? You're going to want to have the same request. You're going to just want to go to his funeral. You want to bury him. That's, you know, pretty, pretty crazy. And he didn't even say no. He said yes. But first let me go bury my father. He had one little request. And that seems pretty reasonable. So I was reading the passage and a, a beautiful thing about the Bible is that if we don't understand something, we can go to the author. It's pretty cool. And so I asked the author, I said, Lord, I don't understand What are you doing here? Why are you being a Muppet? (laughs) And so then Holy Spirit answered me with another question, which he does a lot. And he said, what makes you think the father was dead? So, you know, me being me, I'm going back to the passage and I'm reading, I'm reading, you know, trying to find a a way where I can prove God wrong because that always works out. And I couldn't find anything. And so, basically, what Holy Spirit started to talk to me about was that he, he kind of answered him more questions. And he said, I bet you that that son was the oldest son in the family. And that son, when his dad was going to die, he would claim an inheritance. So he understood that after he claimed his inheritance, that would be a better time to start following Jesus. The problem was not that he wanted to honor his father. The problem was two words. But first. Those two words are dangerous. Don't catch yourself saying but first. The devil knows that people will say yes to Jesus. It's going to happen. But if he can get people to say, but first, then he's succeeded. And he can stop uh, stop people from following Jesus today. Because the devil knows something that we look past a lot of the time, and that's that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so today is the best day to start following Jesus. What that young man didn't know is that three years later, Jesus would be getting slaughtered on a cross, wouldn't see him again, wouldn't cross paths with him again. I bet you in his head he would have been thinking, oh, Jesus will be preaching in 30 years' time. Nah, he missed out on that opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in in the lifetime of the opportunity. I'll say that again. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. That young man did not know that Jesus was not going to pass that way again. I encourage you, when Jesus calls, say yes. Now is the best time to do that. There are people going to a lost eternity without God, not because they said no to him, but because they said, but first. He thought there would be a better time, but there would never be a better time. Second Corinthians six two, oh, says, "Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to follow Jesus. Today is the day for a relationship with God. It's all about a relationship. He doesn't want a religion. He hates religion. It's all about relationship." So from verse sixty one. It says another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So point number one, there can be no negotiation. Point number two, there can be no procrastination. Point number three, there can be no hesitation. I want to ask you a question. Some of you listening right now may have been called by God. May have been called by God as a child. May have been called by God as a teenager. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll follow you, God. Just let me live my teenage years. Let me go party, let me have some fun, and then I'll follow you. But first, maybe an adult, Jesus calls, yeah I'll follow you. Oh, but but first let me just start a family, have some kids, get my dream job. Maybe as even elderly. Follow me. Yes. But first, let me retire. Let me claim my pension. But first, we can't catch ourselves saying, but first, today is the day to say yes to the call of God. And then Jesus said, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. As Jesus calls you tonight, I want to ask a very serious question. What is it that you're looking back at? What is it that's got your attention? What is it that is maybe stopping you from walking into the cool of God, from following God? For some, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe a job, a party, being popular at school. Whatever it is that you're looking back at when Jesus calls, there is nothing that is worth missing the call of God. Nothing. Don't look back. And then Jesus says that. Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Don't look back. So number one, no negotiation. Don't negotiate with God. Doesn't work. (laughs) No procrastination. And then no hesitation.